Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessories, Go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the final cast. I'm Josh. I'm Brad. What's up, Brad? What's up, man? How you doing? Not much, man. Uh, tonight we have a regular, Mr. Duke Westcamp Catch. Welcome back What's to up, the fellas? show, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Good to see you guys. You too, man. Yeah. It, it's been a while since we had you on. Uh, I want to say he, it was when he was the uh, first episode of the year. Yeah, and it was uh, for the poly boards and. Yep. Um, we were just talking before we started the show. Me and Duke barely been fishing. Brad goes out like three times a week. <laughs> Slacker. He ain't got kids. That's why, man. Oh, yeah. He don't, he don't know. Keep it in your pants. That's, that's, keep you fishing. <laughs> keep that, it in your pants. You'll keep fishing. Yeah. That, well, that's the plan. <laughs> Brad one time said this to me in the truck, Duke. He was like, man, uh, I think I'm just too selfish to have kids. <laughs> I tell everybody that <laughs> I, was like, I made it 36 years before I, before I had kids and I was, I wasn't definitely in the same boat. I love my kids, but you know, they are a, uh, they are a time consuming, uh, parental accessory, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was the same age when we had Zach. So, and then we well, had heck, man. Colin two years later. So I got three more years then I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Live it up, brother. Live it up. <laughs> but, uh, we had Duke come on uh, this week. Um, for those who follow Paddle and Finn well, um, our man Dustin Nichols is on the catch team. 
and he has been one of Duke's chosen to be um, trying out using abusing battling the catch cart and i thought i'd reach out to duke and see if he wanted to come on and talk about it so duke um how long was that in the making i think you've been talking about it for a while kind of behind the scenes right it i mean, I, I, I can confidently say that no kayak cart has been as thoroughly tested as uh as that i actually had the original um the original prototype i had at the 2018 uh kbf national championship and uh it just it came about because of frustration i you know i i do a lot of strip mine fishing um which you know sometimes if you're lucky you've, you've got like an atv track and then sometimes you're just beating beating brush and and it gets kind of gnarly and and when you get into that situation the last you know you it only takes once or twice for your cart to fail and then you drag a big heavy kayak back through the grass and brush yep. and you're like i'm never doing that again so um it started just as something that i built for myself um and never i didn't really think it was a you know a consumer product because i just i just didn't think it was a consumer product there were so many carts that were available and i just kind of thought that you know my fishing experience was kind of a little different because i live in this dump called illinois and you know we if we want to get good you know if we want to get into some good water a lot of times you know it just necessitates getting off the beaten path um but you know as i you know I, 2018 i wasn't nearly as involved in the industry that was kind of right when we came in and people became aware of catch and they started approving our bump boards and um but as, as i met more people i found that you know there were definitely more individuals like me that were not really, you know, going to the popular lakes and, and, and going to the boat ramp and just going over concrete. Um, and so we, we, we started right away in, in 2019 uh, testing them. And, uh, and you know, it's taken a while. Every, you know, everything with COVID makes, uh, makes everything, you know, it, it really should have been released in, uh, you know, in, in the fall of 2020 or even in January of 2020. But a uh, few last minute changes and, you know, and, and just the supply line issues have, have uh, even for someone who's, you know, American, an American made, uh, you know, product like us is it's, it's still just, it's, it's hell really. Uh, I feel, feel for any of the, my fellow entrepreneurs running small and, you know, medium sized businesses. It's just uh, a tough road right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to get a lot of stuff, man. Um, I mean, we just at my work forklift parts. It'd be oh, something man. simple, like a chain you know, or a little bolt and it's like, it's out of commission mm -hmm. for two weeks. And you're like, really? Oh yeah. Like we're the same parts. So yeah, we're the same way uh, at our job. I mean, we've been waiting on cabinets for jobs for three months and trusses for nine weeks and just stupid stuff like that. Oh, built builders. Like I've been getting crushed. You know, I got, I got mm -hmm. quite a few friends locally that are contractors and yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same story, you know, and then you, you wait, you know, you, you're waiting 12, 16 weeks sometimes on like plumbing fixtures and whatnot. And then they, the manufacturers have adjusted their prices before they ship. And so now you're dealing with price increases. And mm. yeah, it's uh, it's not a fun time to be a, a small business owner. Is the yeah. price of lumber still really high? No, it went down. It went back down. Yeah, I, I, it got up to for like a half half uh, inch of uh, plywood or uh OSB, it was like 45 bucks or something. Now it's back down to 12. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. 
that was insane for a while. Was yeah. Yeah. Dude, people were still building. That was the that thing that blew know. me away. I was like, holy crap. We got all these people wanting work and paying for all this material. It was crazy. Yeah, well, with, with the home prices the way they are right now, I mean, most people are pretty happy with the, in, the investment as long as they get out before this bubble bursts. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, yeah, I have a feeling is, there's darker days around the corner for the housing market for certain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Probably. it's kind of what happened last time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the playbook from 2008, you know? <laughs> yep. And you got these banks and stuff that are, like, purposely buying up houses as well. Like, that's what's real sketchy. So, But, dude, I'm glad to see what you guys made. Dustin has been raving about it. Uh, he makes at least a post a week if you know or a couple of them here and there every month and i'm like he seems to be really um really keen on it and really impressed by it because i know he's the kind of guy he he's a good he was a good one of your good choices for you know really testing it out that guy gets out a lot yeah um, he's in that saltwater environment as well that was the you big the, that was the really the big uh that was the big thing the two you, you hit on both of them you know uh, there's only so many guys on the team that really do this full time or are on the water almost every day. Dustin, you know, falls into that, uh, that category. Kai Vang was the other guy that, uh, tested in saltwater. Um, but those were, you know, those were our two saltwater guys. And then, uh, locally Dave Brook and myself, um, tested around here. And then actually Jason DeGrant does, uh, he's the, I don't know if you guys know him. He's the owner of never lost tethers. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's, uh, He's been testing ours. He does a lot of like river, like off the beaten path river stuff in in Missouri. So um, kind of along the same lines, you know, it was it was really important. You know, everyone that was on the testing team got one instruction for me. It was just try to break it. You know, don't <laughs> don't throw it off your roof, but, you know, like go out and use it and abuse it and try to break it. And the saltwater guys, I told them, don't rinse it. I don't want you, you know, doing freshwater rinse. Like we want to see how the wheels hold up, how all the fittings hold up and um you know yeah dustin dustin was uh was real real key to that and he seems to be you know real happy with the with the product so let's um let's kind of jump around a little bit and talk about what was on the market and what aspects you were kind of trying to tackle um i mean we know of the the popular ones out there like the sea tug uh the wilderness cart um boondocks um what else is there the suspense one always caught my eye yeah i don't i've never i mean i've seen it but i've never yeah. really seen too many people who are using right. it i used a cheap like you know field and stream one um that lasted maybe two trips and i threw it in the trash <laughs> um Malone Malone makes a couple models. Yeah, Malone well. does. So I have a Sea Tug now. Um, overall, I can't complain too much about it. Um, I've only had one break on it, and it was actually my fault where I had it backwards and I was going over a road actually because of the park. It was like a, a spot that I was fishing, and you park in a parking gravel. Uh, little gravel lot and you go over and you have to cross the road and it's a raised road so it's kind of got an a uphill from in concrete so as you transition that it's kind of a significant bump and the kickstand 
caught that bump and because i had it backwards it wasn't where it would kick up it would so it just snapped it and broke it um that was one thing i've always liked about the sea tug was that you can buy replacement parts for it so if you do break something it's you know it's like an easy fix um i want to say that it's overpriced um the reason i say that initially when you would look at it you would say i could justify it at first maybe if it wasn't that popular but the fact that it became so popular that it's not like they made this mold you know what i mean and it's not they're not producing a lot you know like how kayak molds are how expensive those things are to make and that sort of thing so i was kind of like after a while i'm like this is probably the most popular cart out there you know out out of all of them so um but i mean overall i've been satisfied with it do i think it there was a lot of stuff lacking yes like durability wise um but like i said they did kind of make it the ability to be able to replace it um but even at that you're still kind of looking at the cost of it and still having to replace it and i don't know it's mm-hmm. just it's still a little you know price heavy for me for being plastic um but it is using a strap system and although it will works well the biggest i mean if you're on flat ground or whatever you know i've i've walked with it for you know a quarter of a mile and not had any issues but anytime you start to hit bumps and stuff like that because it uses a strap uh, the cart wants to twist a little bit yeah um yeah and that's what was uh kind of the issue that i had with my first cart (coughs) sorry guys I've been battling a cold all week, so I keep losing my voice. Um, my first cart was a cheap cart. You know, it's kind of that foldable metal tubing one. Yeah. And that thing <laughs> had two straps, and that was the worst thing I've ever used. Like, I went and I went fishing one time, and I tried to walk, like, on a, a pathway from the river and dumped my kayak, like, 16 times because it would twist. I couldn't ever get it tight enough. The straps would come loose. Just nothing about it worked right. The Sea Tug holds up better. It's not the best, but it does hold up. It does move a little bit. If I mess it up a little bit, if I hit something a little too gnarly, it's definitely going to probably twist off. Mm-hmm. But if it's little, little things, little bumps, not too shabby. Overall, that's just been my experience. Now, mind you, I've not been using an extremely heavy kayak like a hobie pa 14 or 12 or a jackson big rig um this was using the kusa hd and or the uh, kilroy hd so they're my river boats they are a little on the heavier side not totally light but i think that's one reason why they've stood up or that card is stood up because i'm not it doesn't i don't have i'm not carrying electronics the batteries you know all the really extremely heavy stuff on it so mm-hmm. i mean i know a lot of people are like oh my big rig's fine on it and i'm always been like eh. <laughs> like yeah. my 90 pound kilroy does it's <laughs> you know it's all right on it but dude it ain't it's not foolproof you know what i what i would say about like most of the most of the existing market is if you're going over like a gravel parking lot or a paved parking lot like if you're just going from the parking spot to the ramp or to the beat you know whatever the you know the beach or whatever you're wherever you're launching from but if you're if you have a relatively smooth surface 
almost any cart will do the trick. Like you said, mm -hmm. it's it's the aggravating stuff when you're you know you're kind of walking on the side of a hill and the kayak always wants to slip off, mm -hmm. um, or when you go over rough terrain and you break them. Um, it, that's where you know, and th and that's kind of where we've positioned ourselves. Is is you know this is you know, and I still I still got to talk it over with the legal team. Uh, but it looks like the uh, it looks like we'll probably be offering a lifetime warranty on everything except mm. wheels, uh, and and for that exact for that exact reason, like we, we want the consumer to have like the ultimate confidence that it's because I mean realistically the cart's not gonna fail unless you do something really stupid. We we've yeah. uh, we we put in um, when we when we decided in 2019 to go ahead and and uh, turn it into a production part. Or a production product, um, we we built a prototype, and we actually at the time the 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 lot that's sitting right out over here um, in front of the building uh, was vacant, and we know the developer, and it, they they had had it. It was it was still kind of rough back there, and I I've got a a, a John Deere Gator, uh, and and I had one of my buddies was out of work, and so I said, well, I'm like it's a uh, it's shitty work, but I'm like, you want to drive around at three miles per hour all day and drag a cart loaded. So we, we took, we took my old uh, wilderness systems commander and we loaded it up with, you know, I, I think it was like about a hundred pounds of like PVC plastic waste um, and put it on the cart and literally dragged it for three and a half weeks and, and put, uh, I think it was like 390 something miles, just short of 400 total miles. Mm. On it. And, uh, I, I managed to to break the handle off the kayak several times. Um, <laughs> we 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 deformed the hull from all the weight sitting in it. There was all sorts of stuff that happened to the kayak um, because it was overloaded and and, and you know kind of awkward. But uh, we couldn't manage to break anything on the cart, and that was kind of the, the that was the ultimately the the first goal was just you know the dependability of it, the durability of it had to be of catch quality, you know, I mean, yeah. you guys know how we got into the bump board business and we, we right. basically only got in there because hog troughs broke, mm -hmm. you know, that, that was, that was really the big selling point. And, and so it needed, needed to be overbuilt and it's, uh, it's sufficiently overbuilt. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of cool though. Be, uh, I don't, I don't see other companies doing that kind of R and D work. You know what I mean? Well, not R and D testing, on the pro they nobody else is carrying or carrying dragging a cart 400 miles that's no cool. no <laughs> and that's why we did it just because you know it's gonna it's gonna carry a premium price tag like a lot of the stuff that, that catch has mm -hmm. um that we offer and you know it, my my thoughts are just you know i i put myself in the the you know the shoes of the consumer which is i don't want to spend a lot of money on something and have it fail and, and, and as the builder of it, like, I just don't want to, I don't want people to be messaging me like, well, I broke this on my cart. What can I do? No, it's just not going to break. That's, that's the, that was the whole, that was the whole game. So, you know, we're a little bit, um, we're heavier than a lot of the stuff on the market, but that's kind of to be expected with the, yeah. with the aluminum yeah. construction versus a lot of the plastic, a lot of the tubular ones. I mean, those, those are ones of the pits, you know, yeah. they, they just don't, none of them seem to fit your kayak quite yeah. right at all uh you know they, they twist off they fall over on the on the trail um you know the, the wheels are just they're well horseshit um yeah. they, they fail um so you know that that was that was really the first benchmark and then 
as we started along the design, uh, you know, the design kind of, you know, the design process, we, we ended up, you know, there were, there were a few other things where we, where we thought, you know, there could be some differentiating factors like um, ease of putting it on and off the cart. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I can actually not fully loaded because I'm a fat ass and I'm out of shape now, but the, uh, but, but I can actually one handed an unloaded PA 14. I can put it on the cart with one hand. So there, cool. this isn't like a deal where, cause how many times have you done this? You got your cart and you're like, ask your buddy at the ramp, like, Hey man, can you hold the backup so I can, so I can slide it into the right spot. And like, you're, yeah. you're, you're reconnoitering the, the, the cart just to make sure, you know, you get the best first, you know, strap on it. So that it doesn't fall off, and 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 most of the time it doesn't really matter anyhow, because as soon as you get off road with it, you end up restrapping or it falls off, and and that you yeah. know. So there, yeah. so there were other design elements that kind of came down the road, but most of it was really about uh, about that durability. And and I had I had broken, um, I had broken one that was uh, I think it was Seattle a Seattle Sports, which is kind of like your typical tubular, you know uh bs cart and then i broke a c tug as well um and then dave brook who's a good friend of mine that i fish with all the time i've personally watched him break three c tugs uh, <laughs> in the strip mines um and it, you know and every time it's just it's it's awful uh, yeah. You know, and, and fortunately, the last time I had my cart and we actually stacked both of them on top of one another and strapped them in and took turns carrying it back because it's, you know, it's a, it's a really nice cart. But when you put like 300 pounds of yeah. cart, it's <laughs> yeah. not a whole lot of fun <laughs> to yeah. on the grass. Oh, man. I've never actually owned a cart myself and you hit a couple of the reasons why. I mean, talking about some of the other brands out there, I'm, I look at the some of the designs i'm like that's not gonna work for me i just i don't know man i've just i've kind of been waiting and waiting for like that perfect cart <laughs> you are you I mean? doing are you doing mostly river stuff right brad yeah this will this will this will fit your lifestyle i think <laughs> yeah i mean that's that brad you want to bring up a picture of it too for yep. people who are actually watching. Um, I was about to do that. Because I had some questions in regards to, you know, how how you put it underneath the kayak and that sort of thing. Because, I mean, you've touched on it. We've talked about that it's made out of aluminum. That, it, Like you said, it's going to have a premium price tag. I'm – and I think, Duke, you, I think I saw you post about this somewhere recently. I'm not 100% sure. It might have been you, though. I think we were talking, somebody was asking something and we talked about, you were maybe talking about Sims waiters. Okay. Am I, am I right about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I only use Sims. I've, yeah. I've had enough shitty waiters too that I, right. I, I can talk to <laughs> yeah. So I'm the same way, man. Like I, it only took me one season, right? One season I bought Field and Stream waiters and boots yep. and they didn't even last through the, the season. And from then on, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to listen to these people, what they're talking about. And I became at that point after that, I became buy once, you know what I mean? And pay the extra for sure. Um, from then on, I've had the same pair of G3 boots from Sims for the past five years and they're still going good. I need to replace the laces, but that's expected, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just because of 
probably my shitty untying ability. You know what I mean? I do it real fast. And then also I tend to store my boots improperly. You know, they say to get a boot dryer for those and don't store them in a hot garage and that kind of thing. So, but the boots they're they've held up, man, they're doing great. And that from then on, I kind of looked at it like, all right, there's, there's certain things you can skimp on. Um, but then there's things that you can realize that, uh, the amount of money that I'm paying, if I was to pay this every year, um, in three years, I would have bought, you know, the Sims waiters, for example, you know what I mean? And they'd probably last longer, you know, yeah, I know that- some guys are rocking those things for, you know, seven to 10 years, you know, I, my last set of Sims waiters, I, I, I used for 12 years. Um, and I, I, re- I didn't retire them. Uh, you know, we actually did a, a video shoot in 2018, uh, in Southern Wyoming, Northern Colorado. Uh, and I had Vasily, uh, our videographer with me and he obviously didn't have a set of waiters. So he got the hand-me-down Duke waiters so I could get some new, uh, some new Sim stuff, but I had no issues with the old stuff, to be honest with you. And, and, you know, it was kind of the same thing I bought, uh, and Orvis is, is, you know, a, still a reputable brand, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I had had a couple set of Orvis and, you know, they leaked and the boots didn't quite fit right. And when everything got the boots got wet and all packed out, you know, you you were sloshing around in them, which in running water on rocks and stuff was, you know, not not ideal. And and, and finally, you know, I I had a bunch of buddies that guided and they're just like, dude, you're stupid. Just buy Sims and just forget about it. Even if you buy the cheapest Sims stuff, buy the Sims stuff, because. First of all, you, if you get into G3 or anything higher, the waiters are American made, yeah. Um, which obviously, you know, to me is is a huge a huge marketing point. But they're just built well, and they're built for they're built for guys that use them every day. It's not it's mm-hmm. not built for the casual user. And to your point, you know, if you go out and, and do river fishing, you know, like four times a year, yeah, don't go out and spend five hundred dollars on a set of waiters. It's a waste of money. But if you're going to spend twenty or thirty days a year doing it you're going to beat, you're going to beat them up. And if you buy, you know, you buy that like entry level product, it's not going to hold up. It's not meant to hold up. It's meant for that casual guy who just wants to, who doesn't want to stick his feet in some rental waiters and rental boots, you know, you know, so there's, there's a, there's a, there's a place for all of it. But, you know, I think generally speaking for this audience and for you guys, you know, you're pretty, pretty hardcore fishermen. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not really going to often go wrong um, you know, with a, with a premium product. Cause again, you just, you just don't break it. You won't, you know, you're not going to end up replacing it all the time. And, yeah. um, and, and I, I'm just, I'm like a nostalgic dude too. I just, I just get attached to stuff. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't like to, you know, I still have my old 2012 PAs that I refuse to sell. Cause I'm just, I'm just kind of attached to them, you know, yeah. like I've, I've, I've yeah. spent a lot of time on those boats and they're all beaten up, but they're all beaten up by me. And, you know, I, I just kind of hang on to them. And, and um, you know, I, I like a, a product that's going to last a lifetime as opposed to something that's kind of like a disposed, yeah. of a better term. It's oh, yeah. true. It is. It's in a sense, they make it like that on purpose because they want you to keep having to buy it. And there's nothing in a sense wrong with that. It's just, you know, like how serious are you? And, mm-hmm. you know, with, with your cart, when I saw it, I was like, when I first saw the first picture of it, I was like, that's definitely Duke right there, man. That thing's a tank. <laughs> like I was like, he, <laughs> I mean, looking at it right now, uh, it's, it's impressive. So I want to know 
you were talking about how easy it is to get up underneath the kayak, unload it, right? Yeah. Um, so go through what what you would do to put this thing, you know, put your boat on it. Okay. So, so the as you can see on the near side to us, that's the telescoping kickstand. So that kickstand actually slides all the way up into the tube for storage. Um, so you're going to telescope the kickstand out and prop it up just like that. And you're going to kind of, you're going to get right next to your, you know, it's different on every boat, your, your ideal, uh, you know, weight balance point. You know, if you've, if you've done enough dragging a kayak on a cart, you realize if you put it too far to the stern, it's real heavy. And mm -hmm. if you put it too far forward, you end up kind of have to pull, but push down at the same time. So there's a little experimentation that goes around, you know, what's the correct balance point when you're, when your kayak's all rigged up and you want to drag it out to the water, but you kind of put it right next to your balance point and you mm -hmm. point that, that kickstand side to the opposite side of the bow and you basically just lift. And if you've got the bunk set up correctly, when you set it down, it'll just, it'll center itself. And those, uh, those, those, uh, those pads, which are, I thought that was so cool because I was like, that's like the last guy in America that still makes the old school BMX pad. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> uh, we grew up in the, the, the 80s and 90s. So that's like, it, it's probably not cool to the younger uh, paddle and fin listeners, but it's cool for us old folks. Um, yeah, dude, I was sitting there looking at those and I was like, what do those remind me of? <laughs> well, we, we, they're, they're kind of, they're like a, a, a pretty like rough canvas material. So, yeah. The, it doesn't have the tendency to want to squirt out on you. You know, like a lot of the carts, when you set the, when you go set the cart down, um, you know, it's got this tendency to want to just kind of squirt its way out of the back of the kayak. And you always end up with too much weight in the front and you kind of end up working too hard to get to the water. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, I, I, I should have, I should have sent you guys some, some videos. I have some really crappy, uh, you know, shop shot videos of, of me loading and unloading uh the boat but it, it's really simple and a lot of the magic comes with the uh the bunks are adjustable um so that whole t-track system you see that's a that's a square uh it's a square extrusion profile and it's got t-slots on every side um but you know i guess you know even though we were designed we had designed this and we've been testing it since way before the wilderness systems cart came out a lot of people would kind of equate it to like what wilderness systems did, but the wilderness systems cart only really allows you to, to adjust in one axis. You can make it wider, you can make it narrower. Well, on, on this cart, you can actually can't the, you can can it in, yeah. you can pull it in and pull it out. And so, you know, most of your kayaks like Hobie, Jacks, I mean, almost all of them, uh, even, the, even the Bonafides, it's just, it's just done a little differently, but they have the outside stabilizers, right? Yeah. And so if you kind of position those pads right at the where the outside stabilizer comes into kind of the keel area, it basically centers itself. And for, you know, a path like that, like it's sitting on those rocks, absolutely no, no strap required. Just throw it up there and go. Uh, and, and you won't, you won't have to touch it for, for what we do in the strip mines. I, I still always throw a ratchet strap around it just because, yeah you know, we're running into big rocks and sometimes you're pulling it over like four to six inch, like logs and stuff and, you know, uneven terrain. And it's just easier to, it's easier to just to throw a strap around, uh, you know, around it than, but, you know, as far as like, you know, going over just like some flat grass or pavement or 
gravel or even like a little bit of rougher gravel like in the picture no no problem no strap required uh, and a lot of that comes from the adjustability and also with that adjustability uh if you set it up right at least on a you know i've done a lot of testing on a hobie um i've tested it on i've got a crescent uh ultralight and a, and a crescent crew um on, on any of those boats it once you set the bunks up if you find the balance point right and you set the bunks up the because the bunks aren't just linear they're not just you know parallel straight ahead the the, the kayak always wants to sit in the right place so the the loading it on and off ends up being you know really really simple which is you know saves you a lot of headaches at the at the ramp or at the at the parking lot or or on the other end when you're loading it up in the brush yeah uh that was one one issue that i always had with the sea tug because you kind of had to you had to angle it towards you know the front of your boat and hope that the angle's right and then you know you're trying to line up to that balance point right and mine's on my kayaks has been kind of just behind the seat somewhat yeah but you pick it up and you realize oh man like i'm either way too far over or not enough and then you're setting it down and the boat's twisting and you're sitting there trying to push the cart and adjust it and it doesn't want to push very well and you've got the nice thing about the sea tug is it's the platform it's sitting on you know the little paddle things <coughs> sorry guys um it they do move but it doesn't really necessarily help center the kayak at all you know it mm -hmm. kind of finds a gripping point which was nice but it doesn't it doesn't assist in any way of helping it uh the cart be centered by any means you know yeah and i mean there's been times where i've gotten pissed and i look back and i'm laughing because I can see the carts over to the left more or over to the right. And I'm like, <laughs> that drives I'm down. walking with it at an angle, but it's going straight. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, or, you're, or it's, you know, it's, it's squirting out and back. And then, you know, that's like the constantly, the cart gets heavier and heavier as you go, you know, cause it starts squirting out the back. And so you're yeah. supporting more of the front of the kayak. As yeah. you go. I've, yeah. I've had it. I've had it to where I'm pulling the kayak and the cart just stops and it just goes whoosh, smack hits the ground. Yeah. <laughs> That drives yeah, me I've nuts. done that. I've done that. It kayak comes off completely, and you're laughing because yeah. the strap is still on. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it's pulled all your gear to yeah. the back too, <laughs> or it just dumps everything in the middle of the trail, yeah. and and yeah. then yeah, then uh, then you're just firing off four letter words, and you know, my first I'm cart buy a catch card. Yeah, one of my first carts was that cheap kind, the tubular one, and. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go on this trip. I'm going to go by myself. I'm going to go down the river. I'm going to hike my ass out of there with my cart and my kayak. And I'm going to walk all the way back on the bike trail. It took me two and a half hours to walk basically like a quarter oh, mile dude, with that thing. Because I dumped it so many times in the woods. You know, yeah. get pissed and just sit down for 15 minutes contemplating life. Like, <laughs> why am I out here? Like, this I is so stupid. Those tubular, and I think the problem with a lot of those tubular carts is just, they were designed at a time when there weren't really heavy sit on top kayaks. Yeah, so small it, and narrow. Yeah, if you if you go throw like a little 10 foot sit inside, like a pelican or something, or you know, you know, something that's like 40, 50 pounds on there, I'm sure they work just fine, even even off-road. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, as, as you know, I mean you how many kayak 
anglers do you know that are, that can limit themselves to 40 or 50 pounds? I mean, yeah, maybe if you, that. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. Maybe if you've got one of those Eric Jackson numbers that that's like yeah, 36 yeah. pounds or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, maybe you can manage to, to, to get out there with only 50 pounds if you go real light on the gear. But I think mm -hmm. the typical load for most guys is, you know, 100 to 120 pounds. And I, I honestly think that's being conservative. Um, you know, because there, there's a lot of guys with 130 pound Hobie PA 14s, and mm -hmm. you know they're not just dragging the kayak out there. Or yeah. same thing with a big rig. I think a big rig's about 125 or 130 pounds too, and that's just that's just the weight. That's not with a pedal drive. Um, that's not with your milk crate or your rods and your tackle. Or you know, if you're if you're hiking out, you're bringing you know cold beers and some. Yeah some food and, and whatnot, you know, so it's, it's, you know, I think, you know, hundred to 120 pounds is probably on the conservative side, but I just don't think many of the carts were designed with that type of load in yeah. mind, or at least mm -hmm. the that type of load and that type of usage, like off-road type usage. Yeah. So let's talk about what, what kind of mounting are you using, um, bolts or whatever are you using to be making the uh, bunks adjustable like that? Um, so, in 100% in truth, this is the first product that isn't uncompromisingly American made. Um, we actually have uh, we have designs to be able to do to use a not off the shelf extrusion, which looks very similar to that. But uh, because of because of the, the trouble it is to get vendors to extrude product for us right now, uh, we were forced to go with a, it's, it's a company called MyTech um, and they. I've been using their extrusion systems for 20 years uh, to build automation systems. Um, and we, we even use them as we, we've used them for machine bases and, and, and guarding packages and, and all sorts of stuff. And it's just got, it's got a really, really neat connector system. Um, I wish I had one sitting here right now because I'd show you, but it's uh it's basically a cammed screw uh, you have to machine the, 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 the square, the, the square extrusion, but when you tighten, uh, there's like a boss that sits out of the end and it fits into the T slot in the rest of the, or, or the T slot on the crossbars. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and the, the, the connector actually has a higher breaking strength than the aluminum. So the connection is just as, as strong as, as a solid piece of aluminum. Um, it's just, a, it's a neat system and we have. We actually have a system all designed, and, and I'm hoping I, I'm hoping that by 2023 that we'll be um, we'll be completely away from uh, the MyTech product. Not that there's anything wrong with it; it's a it's a great product. It's not Chinese made; it's German. Um, just to be clear, we didn't go to China on that shit. Um, <laughs> well, if you did, it would have broken already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it, it's, a, it's a great product, and, and, and that's what gives it, you know, as opposed to, the, you know, I think most, most people are familiar with the, um, with the uh, Wilderness Systems cart. And the biggest difference is the Wilderness Systems cart has a solid axle cross, and so the, those bunks just adjust narrower or farther away. Um, and as you can see, ours are independently on the two crossbars, so yeah. it allows you probably like 15 degrees uh, 10 to 15 degrees of toe in or toe out to match the the contour of the, of the kayak, um, and and that to me is the is the big difference. And, and in addition, the oh, yeah. the, the, uh, the unforeseen benefit of doing it like that because the truth is we 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 designed it like that specifically for that level of adjustability. We knew we didn't want to just be 
all, you know, altering it on one axis. We wanted to be able to like change the toe in and toe out. Uh, but one of the unintended benefits of it was that we got rid of that axle, that, that, that axle design. And so we've got about a foot of clearance, ground clearance, which you don't get on any of the other carts. You've got three, four, five inches of, of ground clearance. And, you know, in the, and the upside, when you do get those ATV tracks or those side-by-side -side tracks where you can, you know, you can drag your kayak instead of just beating, beating the brush, um, the, 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 the crappy part, if you have an axle, is that you're always constantly hanging up uh, with the wheels yeah. it, sitting, on, sitting on either side. So right. um, it, it, gives you, it gives you extra ground clearance. But it, the, the, that, that design was kind of really uh, based in, in, in the fitment to the, to the hull of the kayak. But um, it, it's a, it's a boss system. So the, if you, if you see the little short piece that holds the bunk tube on the inside of that, there's, uh, it's a five millimeter, uh, Allen key or Allen, uh, Allen key. And, mm -hmm. and that's what loosens and tightens it. Um, and you know, I think the, it's got like a 14,000 pound breaking strength. They've, they've built, actually wow. they've built windmills in the Netherlands out of this stuff. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty robust. It's also pretty expensive too, which is not the main reason why we're building our own, but it's a, it's an expensive system and it was, wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily the best way to go about uh, doing this, but it was a matter of, you know, we have this new product and we've been sitting on it for like two years and I, I just got sick of it. And I was like, you know, damn the torpedoes, we're just going to do it. And you know, we'll, it's going to get better and, 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 and cheaper as we go. But I think there's just enough people at this point that, that want to get into a good cart that it just mm -hmm. makes much sense to, to, to keep shelving it, to just wait and wait and wait. Yeah. I want to know how, how quick is it to take it all apart? Like if, if somebody wanted to store it inside of their hull or something of their kayak. Ah, thank you for that question. That's perfect. So it doesn't take much time at all, but you don't have to disassemble it because the footprint um, so like, let's call the footprint, you know, if you, if you draw a, a, a box between the arches that the wheels are hanging on and the two crossbars, well, that size was not by accident. That was designed like that. So it accommodates, uh, yak gadgets. Uh, it, it, it accommodates yak gadget, one of the wonderful sponsors of this show. Um, it accommodates the yak attack black pack and it accommodates a Hobie product. But it will also accommodate our new uh, crate system, which will be hopefully a mid-year release. Uh, hopefully a mid-year release this year. We're having the same extrusion problems, but uh, we actually have a modular crate system. So you'll you can order a standard model, which is going to be really comparable in price. Actually, almost the dead same as as those as those competitors in that 140, 150 range. But you can actually order your cart. Uh, or you can, you'll be able to order your crate two size. So you can specify, I want it this tall, this wide, That's awesome. this many rod holders, and, we, and, and we'll build it totally custom for you. And it will, and, and as long as you don't exceed the dimensions, it'll, it'll fit right in there. So to the long answer to your very simple question is just that uh, you, you put the kickstand uh, back into place, you flip mm -hmm. it over and put it in your, uh, put it in your tank well, and then you just set your, uh, you just set your milk crate right inside of it. Wow. I gotcha. That's kind of cool. Well, that was, we, we didn't have a kind of a, we didn't have a, 
that was not a solution that I that I had had come up with previous to this year. Um, when we go to the Mazonia strip mines, we just leave our carts next to the water. We're not yeah. doing it's, there's not a river system, so there there's a lot of interconnected lakes. So you'll cover a lot of a lot of ground, but a lot of the portages after that are really short. It's like maybe you're crossing 15 feet of uh, grass to get to the next lake. Um, you know, so it, it's, uh, we, we never bring them with. So we just kind of, you know, we will hike out about a mile or, you know, a half mile to like a mile and a half. Um, and then we just, we were just leaving our carts in the brush. So I'd never thought about it. And, uh, some of the testers were like, well, I'm nervous about leaving this thing out, you know, out next to the, the water. And I was like, well, you, you didn't buy it. So who cares? Leave it out there. <laughs> No, yeah, I've never, I've never had anyone steal one of mine. Yeah, um, but you know, I guess that is that's that is more of a concern, and and it's especially a concern if you want to do multiple portages, or if you're doing rivers, you're not going to end up in the same spot you started from. So, right. um, you know, having it come with was uh, kind of an afterthought. But the we were working on a cart project, and I I just happened to have a black pack sitting in here, and we flipped the cart over, and I was like, well, what if we just adjusted this, this, and this, and you can drop this thing right in here, um, and it just kind of ended up working. Uh, it ended up working perfect, and you can That's still cool. you can still go with uh, you can still have like uh, ten. Uh, I think you can put ten rod holders on a on a black pack, and and it still fits in there. Uh, you just gotta and the center ones that are above the wheels. It's just. A, a, a spinning reel maybe hangs a little low, so you got to either turn it in. Uh, but you know, who's carrying eight egg beaters with them? You know, I mean, Brad, <laughs> me, no, oh, I'm just kidding, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even own eight of them, man. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool, though, man. I like that. Yeah, it was all right, guys. It wasn't the uh, it what it, it wasn't necessarily on the, one of the design priorities, uh, you know, coming out. But it was it 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 kind of became something that we've that we that we ended up gearing it towards as we as we ramped up uh, into production. So, I, and for once, we might actually have this one out on time. We, we we're planning on going on sale on January first, and uh, I have almost everything except the anodized arches back in the shop. So fingers crossed you know if, there, if nothing goofy happens this will be available on new year's day okay let's talk Please. wheels that's always important because we've seen a thousand different types of wheels in the kayak cart market some people swear by one version some people like another version what did you find worked best that you wanted to put on the catch cart we got out of the realm of what are typically considered um what's that what's something called a tread cap wheel uh which is what you find on most of the kayak carts which is basically a plastic hub with a small uh you know like a small rubber or like softer plastic um outside that you press onto the onto the wheel mm -hmm. um first of all most of them didn't come with any with decent bearings um so it was just it, it's just like a plastic on spindle kind of design which eventually over time just fails um and so we actually started uh we and again this is uh this is a product that we have we have a actually a designed wheel we just haven't found anybody who's willing to make it for us right now or not in a timely fashion um at this point but we have an, we had an american made supplier this part is chinese <laughs> um 
but it's a it's it's actually a dolly wheel. Uh, it's meant for uh, it's meant to replace uh, tires for like uh, a shop dolly, you know, mm-hmm. like a shop handcart. So you know, each one of them's got a I think a four hundred and fifty or five hundred pound capacity. Um, so it was it was there it was the again kind of following the theme of overbuilt. Um, they are about four pounds a piece, so there's about eight pounds of weight built into the wheels. But that all boiled down to I I I gladly um, you know compromise with weight versus dur- you know I'd, I'd compromise with heavier weight to to get better durability and and over. Over the long haul, these were the, the wheels that held up the best. They do currently have an unsealed bearing on them. Uh, the production wheels, which we hope to have by 2023, will actually be a full sealed bearing, similar to like what you'd see in like rollerblades. So like an ABEC rated uh, sealed stainless bearing. Um, the one in there right now is uh, it, it, it's certainly better than nothing, um, but it still leaves a little bit to a little bit to be desired. It rolls really nice. Um, I just, for, for my money, um, at least for the guys in saltwater, I, I, you know, the sealed bearing makes a lot more sense to, yeah. to you know, for sand and salt. I, I honestly think the salt is probably the bigger, uh, the bigger issue, but uh, they'll all come pre-packed from the factory with grease. And, and it's, uh, it's pretty easy to, to pack them. And, and truthfully, unless you're Unless you're constantly submerging it, I mean, you can go a couple years probably without repacking the repacking the bearing. Yeah. Brad, you got anything to add? No, man. I've, like I said, I'm not real big. Like I've never really used a cart, so I don't really, you know, know what to expect. But are you gonna put the catch twist on it? Is there gonna be in different colors? Anything crazy like that? It'll be in any color you want as long as that color's black. <laughs> for, for the time it's being short man I, i'm i'm digging it man i i know the design to a lot of people are going to be like oh it's a wilderness cart you know but i know that you've been working on this thing for quite some time because we've had you on the show multiple times and you've always kind of hinted at you know like watch for a cart watch for a cart watch yeah. for a cart you know and um so i know you've been at this for you know, a solid three years and I I'm excited to see it. Um, like I said, Dustin has done nothing but rave about it, man. He loves that thing. And, you know, like we were talking about before that guy fishes, you know, quite a bit and he's a saltwater guy. So he's going to put it through the paces and he's not said any, you know, anything negative about the cart. I'm I've dig this telescoping rod idea. Um, because, that's you know the kickstand thing with the sea tug is a great idea but like i said it'd be real easy to have that thing flip backwards and you're not even really kind of thinking about it and i've broken one off you know mm. and um and dude i mean the bmx pads yeah you know, oh, that's cool man I it's badass that. dude when i saw it i was like is that just is that foam you know what i mean then you got like the catch you know, logo on it. And I'm like, I really hope those are BMX pads. Like, they, I was they really are, excited man. to be like, if they are. Yeah. And when you said that they were, I was like, hot damn it is. You have no idea how hard that was to find. You know, we, we found a little company um, in California and they kind of, their whole business is really just building replacement pads. Cause you know, the pads kind of fell out of, 
you know, favor with the BMX crew, like crowd in like the nineties, it was kind of us that grew up in like the eighties, late eighties. That's where, you know, you, your, your bike actually came with the pads on it. Yeah. Um, and so there's not a lot of people that actually make them anymore. And we found this little company out of California, uh, that, that, that makes custom pads. Um, and that was, you know, that was like kind of my, there, there were, obvious cheaper solutions to this problem but we we, we talked to them and, we, and they sent us they sent us some different prototypes and and you know the the truth was that the 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 real the biggest benefit of the whole thing um is the coarseness of they use a really heavy this really heavy nasty canvas material um and it and it just it's it, it gives just enough friction on the bottom of the kayak that you don't you know, like I said, paved roads, uh, gravel, like even rougher rock, you just won't pull it off. So it, it, it's uh, it, it just it became a great solution, if not the cheapest solution, maybe the coolest. So, um, yeah. When you put the kayak on those, do they twist? Like, do they turn? So like as it tries to lines it line itself up, you know, do those does the padding itself turn? Because I would think that would be almost beneficial. You know what I mean? It would allow it to kind of move into place. It will. It's so it it's uh so it's like a foam. There's a foam inner that yeah. that that goes over the tube, and then it's just like the old BMX pads where there's like a a, a section of Velcro around the back. So if you yeah. want it to rotate a little bit, you can leave it a little looser. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's uh it, it'll it'll move around a little bit. That one I, I can tell Dustin staged that one for the shot, made sure the catch <laughs> logos were yeah. facing out and stuff. Uh, they, they they'll get a little beaten up, and but they're uh, it's a it, it was a great solution. And then as far as the colors, the, the only reason we're not you know like doing that whole the 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 whole color thing and allowing you know a little more custom customization or you know a little more options for the anglers is just with with everything, all the lead times on, on product right now, um, doing it in one color, it, it gives us more control over, you know, over the, over the product line. Like we're probably going to, we're forecasting like 1200 units. So we're going to, we're going to, well, there'll be about a hundred units available every month, yeah. um, which I think is probably a little too conservative. Uh, but it, like I said, we've had all sorts of sourcing issues. And so we just kind of, we, we, we've, come to grips with the fact that we probably won't meet demand year one but uh once we once we prove it out and and especially once these supply line issues get a little ironed out like specifically just being able to get anodizing on time you know we went from uh we went from you know i used to be able to send stuff out on monday and get it back by friday um to anodizing and now you know i'm running eight to twelve weeks in a best case scenario twelve to twenty weeks um, in a, in a worst case scenario and, you know, 20 weeks, I mean, damn, that's like almost a half a year. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it really is a lot. I mean, you say it like 20 weeks, you're like, Oh, it's not that long. And you know, yeah. it's, it like five, a... it's like five months. Yeah. But when you that's got great. a product that, you know, is it's got, you know, I think it's had a, a good amount of hype around it. I've, I've been, I've been excited to hear about it. So, or, yeah. you know, that, that you guys did it and it came out. And I'm super impressed with it. You know, um, I knew you would do something like this. I, I didn't think it'd be half-assed by any means. You don't half-ass anything. So you uh, you build it to last. And that's one thing that Catch has been known for from day one. And mm -hmm. so I commend you guys on that. It's awesome. And, Appreciate uh, it. 
I can't wait to get one. I'm excited. Yeah, speaking of, <laughs> what, what, what's the price? Yeah, that's a secret still. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, it, it'll be more expensive than the wilderness cart for sure. Um, we're not we're not quite dialed in on that. Um, you know, it might be as much as like three ninety nine ninety nine, which I know is not the answer that most people want to hear. Um, but again, that's that comes with you know that that ends up being a lifetime warranty on everything yeah. except the wheels. So it's uh, it, 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 it again, it's like it's really geared towards. Uh, just ask Dave Brooke, right? How many just ask tugs? Dave, How ask many tugs? It paid for itself, right? He, he, I've seen him break three sea tugs, and he's broken several other carts uh, before we knew each other because he's been fishing that area for like fifteen years. <laughs> so he's 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 got a wasteland of broken carts, and and the one I mean the one that he had that was running was like it was like a cheap one that was like a mutant where he'd taken a couple wheels off of one that he liked and you know stolen some straps and like you know it was all duct tape and but he you know oh, like he man. made it work but yeah he started using this um at the end of last season and yeah he's you know he's obviously real happy with it and he was he was the big driving force behind the the, the testing team you know um dustin and kai did the salt water but as far as you know durability and and, and really putting it through its paces a lot of that was dave and historically i would have been there and, and i was until about june and then uh, you know, my fishing kind of fell off the face of the earth, you know, come, mm. come July. And so I, I just, I didn't get many, I, I haven't, to be honest, it, it, as it sits right now in production version, I've actually only just, uh, I've only tested just the one day we went out and did a video shoot to kind of go over some of the features and whatnot. Uh, and that's the only time I've used the production card. It's, it's not so much different than the one that I was testing, but there are little subtleties. So I, but I haven't had a, had a chance to really uh, put the new hotness through its paces. So this it, is really boils down to Dave did a lot of the work because um, not that, not that there aren't other guys out there, obviously beating the hell out of their cards. I've just, I know how hard he is on gear. I've seen it firsthand mm. and, and, and he's out in Bazonia when he's not working, he's out there fishing. So um, and that's, you know, rough, it's rough terrain. It's not, yeah. uh, not boat ramps. And as he says, this ain't no pavement princess. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I struggle with breaking rods. So if a uh, catch ever gets into the rod making business, <laughs> I'm buying some rods. <laughs> My Everest is to, is, is to, to eventually make an American made real, but I don't, I, I don't, cool. I don't know, you know, I'm a, I'm a St. Croix guy and, and they make a really fine American made rod. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's an arena that we're going to get into and it's real hard to automate or, you know, rod building is kind of like this little art unto its, unto itself, oh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, so durability on rods. I don't know. Stop slamming them in car doors, Brad. <laughs> It, yeah. It's always the stupidest way I break them, but yeah. How I've, I've probably broken a half a dozen rods rolling down the back window and then rolling it up. Like you just don't realize it just kind of yeah. poke way out and then you just hear cracks. Like I've broken more opening and walking through doors. Like you know what yeah. I mean. Like you get back, you're like I'm gonna actually bring everything in today, and you walk in carrying it, and then you're like. What was it? Door slammed real weird. And you look back and all your rods are sticking out there and half of yeah. them are broken. So, yeah, I, I dropped, I dropped the camera case and broke, uh, mm. I broke six rods at St. Clair like two years Jeez. ago. 
drop yeah all, all like saint croix legends too you know it wasn't oh. nothing nothing cheap yeah oh like two of them were musky rods too so. that's why i won't buy that's why i have a lot of trouble buying expensive rods like yeah. if i buy them it's because they're like severely discounted like yeah but i'm like i've as many have i broken i have tossed in the water you know by accident like i'm like i just i it's I can't bring myself to just go over that the medium range, you know, and start yeah. dabbling in that high end range of rods and stuff. I just, I, I my track record from day one, day one, Duke, of getting in a kayak, losing my favorite rod and reel combo at the time, <laughs> and it was the first little expensive little setup I bought. You know, I mean, it wasn't crazy. It was like three hundred bucks. First day in my kayak, knocked the shit off into the water, dude. Like, I'm like. <laughs> Uh, it took me <laughs> i've been you know i've been i've been kayak fishing for like i don't know since a little bit before 2010 like 2009 ish 2008 ish um not really seriously until 2011 or 2012 but it was just last year that i finally lost my first rod overboard i've never i've never lost one overboard i i always wondered why how the hell are these guys losing all these damn rods over overboard and then you know i left the spinning reel and it was just sitting over the paddle and you know you get to you when you got a pedal drive or a, a trolling motor you still you end up pulling it up and like paddling in so i just I pull the trolling motor up and i go to grab the paddle and you know my stratic on a saint croix legend just sitting oh. right underneath the blade and it just goes dunk in like seven feet of water and me and dusty sat there casting like a rigs and treble hooks and like all sorts of <laughs> stuff trying to pick it up and man i, I, I was like yeah we did it for like we, we went we tried to get it for like 45 minutes or an hour and i was like you know what it wasn't meant to be so yeah i guess i've, I've been fortunate to go this long without losing one overboard yeah. I've, I've i've also never uh flipped a kayak either i so, haven't done uh, that i haven't done that yet knock on wood but um I remember one time, so this happened twice, and it was the same exact rod and reel setup. <laughs> and it wasn't, <clears throat> like I said, after my first kayak fishing in the Coos HD and losing my uh, favorite rod and reel, I decided that I wouldn't ever buy super high end. But I've kind of stayed in a little, like, low to mid range, you know? Like, I was really, I, I like lose reels, and I bought Fenwick's. And I kept buying Fenwick's because Cabela's had the Silverhawk, which was like an HMG, right? And it's like 99 bucks. It's got decent sensitivity. It lasts a while. I've had several of them. Well, they made a Silverhawk, which is just an HMG, and it was sold exclusively at Cabela's. Well, what was awesome was they would mark that thing down to $7.99 or $79. So I would go buy like five or six of them at a time. And I bought the Lose Tournament MB. It was only like $120. So I both both of them happened i threw them in the water okay not in anger but i would go to cast and my hands would be wet right from like from catching a fish both times happened immediately after catching a fish hands are wet go to cast do something where my hand is clicking the reel um and uh, on the handle at the same time as i'm casting and i'm clicking basically everything shut again and so it's like, and it just would whiplash out of my hand because my hands yeah. are wet. And the one time I did it, and it's like early spring, right? And it's only like 
45, 50 degrees outside. The water's just at 35 to 40. And I look over and it's been raining that day. And I look over and my buddy starts like taking his clothes off. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? He's like, I'm going to go get that. I'm like, hell no, you're not, dude. Like, no. Stay kayak. I, I don't need to call like search and rescue because you had cold water shock trying to fish out my two hundred dollar combo from the shitty lakes. Yeah, you hit the point of diminishing returns. I think with rods around two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think up to about two hundred bucks, you get a you keep getting a better, more sensitive rod, and then. You know, and I've had some, you know, four and five hundred dollar rods, and they're nice, and they're a little bit lighter. But are you? Is it putting more fish in the boat? Like, probably not. Like, it's more yeah. comfortable in your hand. Maybe it's got fancier Fuji guides on it, or yeah, a better reel. Durability speed. is kind of where it gets. Like, you know, that's when you. I will always say, if you're gaining more and more sensitivity, you start to kind of get in that range of where that uh, that rod becomes fairly easier to break you know oh for sure for sure so i mean on on simple stuff too you know like where you nick it from a weight hitting it or something you know yeah yeah and and the reels are the same way you know like around 200 or 250 bucks you kind of get most of the technology and most of the advancements that are available and then you know there's you know shit you guys know there's there's thousand dollar reels out there and 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 you know is it that much better than the, you know, a $250 reel? No, yeah. you know, it's, it's got nicer little anodized knobs on it and it might yeah. weigh 1.2 ounces less, but you know, <laughs> ultimately is that really, you know, is, is that going to put more fish in the boat? You know, so that's, that's where, that's where my kind of budget price point is. I go to like, you know, 200 or 250 bucks with a rod you know, on the rod and the, and the reel. And, and that's, that's kind of where I'm, yeah. When it gets to be much, I spend more than that on my musky stuff because I'm a musky guy and musky stuff is just like they, it's bigger. So everything's like three times as expensive. Yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, other than that, on any of the bass stuff or any of my, and my trolling rods, I use cheap stuff, like super cheap stuff, like, you know, 70, 80, you know, 60, 70, $80 uh, reels. And I, and I, and I love, I, I found these Okuma cold waters, um, this last season that are just, they're dynamite. They're like a hundred or 105 bucks. So not cheap, but you know, ultimately not that expensive. So a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff you see me dragging around nowadays, like, you know, it's like, I got like 150 bucks into a combo and, and it's, uh, and it does what I need it to do. I guess it all, all depends. You know, you want a little more sensitivity if you're flipping plastics or, you know, you might want that nice uh, glass feel if you're, you know, if you're, you know, dragging crankbaits or, you know, stuff like that but you know for the most part i'm i'm kind of with you i i I stick with the cheaper stuff i I go a little up market with some things but you know a lot of it's just using cheaper stuff that i can beat on and not have to i don't have to feel bad about crapping out a hundred dollar reel if i get out of it i'm not tearing it apart to rebuild it you know that's it well we're talking you know we're talking about like where we buy stuff that's you know, more expensive, like the cart or the waders, but that's stuff I don't want to replace. You know what I mean? Or I don't want to replace my rods, but I found that the, the beating that they take just inadvertently, you know what I mean? Like, and I mean, Brad, I mean, you've had people, have you had anybody break one of your rods? You know, that's, that's happened before, you know, some, it was somebody else's fault. And the last thing I'm going to do is look over at somebody and be like, that was, you know, eight hundred dollars, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
Um, but it's, I guess you pick and choose those battles and, you know, for the, the rods and reels, just, I know kayak anglers, especially because we work at such a confined area. All of our stuff always gets crammed in together. Yep. So, um, it's like just, it, it gets beaten up in rod tubes or the other place that everyone puts it, you set it in your, you set it in your pickup bed and it's got yep. bed liner in it. And like, so all my, all my, like all the, all the plates on the all the side plates on yeah. all my bait casters are all rubbed to shit from like running all around yeah. in the pickup truck and yeah. you know yeah I mean you, you can only you know you can only expect I mean quite frankly as much as kayak anglers beat up their gear I'm surprised a lot of the rods and reels last as long as they do I think it's a testament to the quality because if you did that 20 years ago with the you know G Loomis was kind of the hot setup way back when and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't dream I got a couple old Loomis rods that are for my for walleye fishing and i wouldn't i wouldn't dare put them in the in the yeah. pickup bed or a rod tube or anything like that yeah you, know, you kind of got to baby them and um they, you know they got sentimental value at this point so i'm just trying to you know hold on hold on to them as long as i can but you you, you just couldn't do that 20 years ago the materials that they're building rods with nowadays is just especially the reels too i mean i, I how smooth like you, you can get a 70 or 80 dollar reel that's buttery smooth yeah uh, yeah exactly get it yeah exactly go get a president 50 bucks that is almost as good as a shimano stratic or i don't know what are they calling the new one the vander vander vanford yeah (laughs) what'd you say the what i I don't know i I don't i don't know what i don't i don't what it's called i just call it a stratic because they they didn't even really bother to design like change the design all they did was slap a different name on it i think i don't know i mean i'm not a real expert but uh, you know, Stratic was kind of what I grew up with. Uh, I own like the first ever Stratic from the early nineties. I still own it. I still fish with it. And so I guess, you know, when I'm in spinning gear, it's either that it's either a Shimano Stratic or I go with the, well, I go with the Fluger stuff because the Fluger stuff is, it's awesome. It's almost as good. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and at 50 bucks, I can buy four of them for a Stratic. Um yeah. You know, so for trolling, like for walleye trolling and stuff, all my walleye trolling rods, all have you know flugers on them. Yeah, and you got to save money anyways, because when you start buying those musky lures, man. I don't use the big expensive musky lures. I'm you know? a cheapskate when it comes to that. Oh, I hate that, man. <laughs> that 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 was like the whole swim bait glide bait thing is really like missed the mark on me. I'm I'm more of a mid sized fisherman when it comes to to musky stuff, and I and I use a lot of. Uh, I throw a lot of blades. I, I, I throw a lot of spinner baits. Um, I, I'm not, you know, and I'm not. I don't rip rubber really. I'm either I'm either trolling and I'm trolling mid-sized stuff like a like a five-inch profile, maybe a six-inch profile. I'm not I'm not out there trolling like a twelve-inch Jake or you know stuff like that. I just I, it just didn't I didn't get into it, and I still don't get the bass guys that get into these like the crazy. You yeah. see some of those some of those custom painted bass uh, swim baits are like a thousand bucks. Like yeah. yeah. It's, it's worth ridiculous. more than the rod and reel you're throwing it on. How, how do you even chuck? <laughs> and it just chuck can you back, right? And then you're just like, all it takes is one bad cast, and you hear that thing snap. Oh, geez. watch it go. So that, that's just, a Gino. Just <laughs> gone. <laughs> bye bye. I've hoping done that before with like a six dollar the floater right. version. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah you got no, GPS I, installed on it. <laughs> like to go track it down. I'm cheap. A, a lot of the musky stuff I fish ends up being more uh, upsized bass stuff. Not not necessarily yeah. the not necessarily the musky stuff. And I'll and I'll throw cheap. 
I'll throw cheap Meps spinner baits for musky yeah. all day, and I don't need to go out and get the musky mayhem like thirty and forty dollar double cowgirls. I have some of them, but I've never really—I I guess I've never really seen the benefit of that—that that, uh, you know, of spending the money there. You know, if if they prove themselves, don't get me wrong, I'm not a cheap. If it puts more fish in the boat, well, I'll spend the money every time. But you got you got to you got to prove it to me before I'm yeah. gonna lay down the money every time. You know, I. I I still don't like to buy jackhammers, even yeah. though all these anglers that are way better than me tell me, oh, man, you can't be using the original chatterbait. The jackhammer is so much better. And it's like, man, I just can't get myself to pay 16, 17 bucks for something that they sell for five bucks in the original yeah. version. Like, That's how Brad was forever, dude. He held out. He still sort of holds out. He's bought a couple here I have, and there, I have but... one jackhammer. And, uh, he's like, <laughs> I've owned a couple. It's probably still in the box. <laughs> I've owned a couple of them, but I've never, you know, I, I get what people say, you know, it, it, it thumps a little quicker, but I've always kind of been the guy who casts it out. And my first move with the chatterbait is always kind of a rip. So yeah, me too. as long as, as long as you rip it to, it to get it thumping, it stays thumping, you know, and, and you can slow roll it still. Like I, I know there's but a better the tone. Home. The tone's different, dude. Bro, seriously. <laughs> you got to get like that Miles Davis, like John Coltrane shit going on. oh that's funny all right man anything else you want to add no man just i appreciate being on uh, on the show i love what you guys are doing and i'm i'm glad to see paddle and finn enter in year three i think right or year four yeah yeah something like that i I lost track they're gonna be coming (laughs) into year four nice next year so um yeah dude it's been uh it's been a ride and you've been a part of it man you've been a big part of it and we appreciate you taking time to come talk to us again yeah, I, I appreciate being on the show, guys. It's uh, it's stuff like this is great. It's great to get product awareness out there. It's great to just have some candid conversations with other anglers and and, and chop it up a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. good talking to you. We haven't talked to you in a while, and um, everybody, be on lookout for the catch cart uh, coming in the crate. In the crate too. Yeah, that's gonna be. Interesting. At, have I you like on, that. Have you on again next year? <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping to have that out like hopefully by July. That's the so we just purchased the we just purchased the water jet to cut all the panels, the custom panels for them. Um, it's just a matter of getting the extrusion. We've we've built uh, prototypes and tested them, and um, it's slick, man. I'm not. I don't mean to float my own boat, but for once. I'm not going to be fighting upstream on being the most expensive guy. It's going to be like the same price as an H crater or a, or a, a black pack or, or a yak gadget, uh, you know, yak gadget uh, crate. So uh, for once I won't be fighting uphill with the market and it's already got integrated. Uh, you, you know, you saw with the extrusion on the cart, um, our, our, our crate is actually made with all the, the, all the extrusion profiles that put it together all have integrated T slot in them. So, uh, it, it 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 becomes a lot easier to to mount accessories and, and whatnot. So I, I think I think that product is like a really a home run. Okay, nice. can't wait to see it. All right, Brad. Anything else, bud? Nope, man. Good show. It was fun. All right, Dick. Well, thanks again for joining us, everybody. Thanks again for listening, and catch us next week. See you. Been real, fellas. See you.